of men and mice, of mice and men. Lean in and learn why mice should dominate the world. And even scarier, maybe the real reason why they don't. And it's time for another unbuckled, bumpy ride with your guide, the stark-raving lunatic himself. I'm Jim. Let's jump right in again. Welcome to my podcast based on my brand new book, available on Amazon, Live Life Lean, L-E-A-N. It's a year-long guide to gratitude and our daily grind. The book that combines some timeless wisdom from a whole lot of the world's wiser people with the reflections, reactions, and wisecracks of the guide's author, me. And it guides you, the reader, through the simplest system for a happy, healthy, authentic, and genuinely grateful everyday experience. I urge you to get the book. Of course I do. I wrote it. It's either at Amazon or at my website, amperage.com, A-M-M-P-U-R-A-G-E. But even without it, let's make next week better than last, our next year better than the past, and get started now with today's episode of... Oh man, I hate Mises to pieces. <laughs> okay, we got a mouse. We haven't had one for years. Why? We've had a cat for years. Apparently, the other morning, yeah, maybe a week or so ago, there was a mouse scurrying across the floor into the laundry room, from the kitchen into the laundry room. It even surprised the cat. He kind of started to chase it. He stopped, turned, looked at me, and meowed like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Okay? So, when it comes to mice, what do you do? You set a mouse trap. But I've got a cat. Got to make sure the cat's not hurt. So, I set the mouse trap behind the washer, behind the washer and dryer. I've been checking it every single day. Came home last night from work, checked it again. No mouse, but the stupid little trap was moved about two feet. It had never been tripped. The peanut butter, cleaned off of it, clean as a whistle. It had been moved all around, but the trap never got tripped. Damn mice. They can outsmart nature's most notorious little mouse trappers and critter killers, the cat itself. And the freaking mice. They can outsmart human engineering's most famous form of trap that's been around for, like, must be centuries. Damn it, mice. Hell, legend has it there were just two mice in Noah's Ark, along with two of every kind of cat, and in order to survive, yet here they are still scamming peanut butter and cheese from behind my Maytag washer and dryer. Mice are obviously crafty and resilient. So why don't they take over the world? Maybe it's because they know that's overrated. Maybe they know that there's just too much that goes along with taking over the world. Maybe with mice, maybe we, mankind, should learn from them. Learn from observing and emulating rather than from our experimenting. Because when it comes to mice, 
It's a valid question. So why are mice not the masters of the universe? Look back. In the best-selling novel, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mice were considered the most intelligent animal species on our entire planet. But that was fiction. We hope. Because mice, according to that book, apparently are aliens. Yeah, it's shown that mice are neither Earth-born species nor just mindless, senseless rodents. According to the book's author, they're extremely smart creatures who built a super, super computer, big, giant, supercomputer, something called deep space or deep thought or something like that. And they brought it to Earth in order to solve the problems of life and the universe and the meaning of all of that and everything. And they're shown to be the leaders of the planet above all the other species. Well, I don't know about that, but they are obviously smarter than I am because they're snagging my cheese and pilfering my peanut butter and frustrating me in the process. But in reality, mice are not necessarily smarter than humans and several other species. But they are clever. Maybe. Sometimes clever and the ability to just figure out how to get done what's important is more important or at least more valuable than what, what we as humans regularly see as intelligence. The main concern here is that animal intelligence is measured according to human intelligence. Because we may never know exactly how smart they are. Remember Einstein's famous climbing fish tale? Remember hearing that? He said, everyone is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Well, assuming that Einstein actually said that might be stupid too, because truth be told, there's no evidence Einstein ever uttered this. But just because we can't prove he pronounced it doesn't mean the message's meaning itself is barking up the wrong tree. But to the best of our ability, our more intelligent and most intelligent humans have recognized just enough similarities between mice and men to learn from them, even though learning from them usually means using them as lab rats rather than behavioral examples and models. But mice are mighty in the mind department. Hmm, mighty mind mouse. <laughs> that would have never worked as a superhero cartoon name. Here I come to save the day. <laughs> no, a mighty mind mouse never would have said that. But for the record, there is an association that they've demonstrated between the size of the brain and how smart a creature is. Or at least how smart we humans recognize them to be. Again, our definition of intelligence. The size of the animal has to be taken into account, of course. But brains are compared using a ratio of brain weight to body weight. In humans, the ratio is about 1 to 40. Believe it or not, mice have a strikingly similar ratio. By comparison, cats are 1 to 100. Shh, I probably should have whispered that because I know my cat's listening. And dogs are 1 to 125. Although brain size is not the only measure of intelligence, their brain size, mice, their brain size suggests that they are smart creatures. Maybe smart enough not to try and be something that they're not. Maybe that's their secret. Maybe that's what we can learn from the difference between mice and men. Some of us apparently are more comfortable in our own skin, on the surface at least. No need for certain people to try and rule the world. 
even when they actually might be the people positioned to make a run at it. People like celebrities. People like Keanu Reeves. He once said, I'm Mickey Mouse. They don't know who's inside the suit. Yeah, I could totally see the Reevester saying something like, so loaded with wisdom. <laughs> well, see, when I was a youngin, my mom actually worked at Disneyland in Southern California, and my grandpa knew who was, quote, inside the suit, so to speak. He was a friend of his. So I can tell you that it most definitely was not the bodacious Keanu. But that's the thing. Mickey Mouse is so popular because of his human characteristics. But humans and mice already have so much in common. Yet it takes a man, a human, dressing up as a mouse to take over the world. You know, like Disney and Disneyland and Walt's World or whatever you want to call it. But a real mouse is apparently not interested in taking over the world, in part because they're probably not interested in getting in a man suit. Obviously, it's just us humans who want to take over the world. But why? And how is that, taking over the world, ruling the world, an example of a demonstration of our intelligence? See, as humans, we see that it takes intelligence to take over the world. So, of course, the more intelligent, the more capable one would be to actually take over the world. So we are obviously the most capable to rule the world. But why? But why? Why? Why is it only human intelligence that values taking over the world, ruling and running the world? Or is it really running down and ruining the world? Maybe, just maybe, that's what would happen if any other species, any collection of critters, acted about society, their society, the way humans act. Well, actually, that's been studied. Science backs that kind of crap up, with science, of course. You know, according to a researcher in the 1950s through the 1970s, John Calhoun, he created a world where what looked like rodent utopias and mice paradises existed at first. But they quickly spiraled into out-of-control, overcrowded. Eventually, their population collapsed and seemingly just nasty, sinister-type behavior patterns took place. Apparently, when mice, no matter how smart they were perceived to be by us humans, were given the chance to live like man, they started to act like man as well. In an environment that was safe from predators kind of world, that included limitless food, okay? Limitless food, of course, that's paradise and multiple levels to interact on, and even occasional secluded little rare rodent condominiums, okay? Well, at the peak of population, here's what happened. Most mice spent every living second in the company of hundreds of other mice, even though they didn't need to. Does that sound like us on our smartphones, with hundreds of friends but too few intimately reliable relationships? Hmm? They would gather in the main square and wait to be fed and occasionally even attack each other in the process. That really does sound like social media, doesn't it? Few females ever carried their pregnancies to term and the ones that did, honestly, according to the research and the observations, seemed to simply forget about their babies. 
There were a few secluded spaces, and those housed a population that the researcher Calhoun called the beautiful ones. They were generally guarded by one male, filled with females and maybe a few other males. But inside these spaces, you know what didn't happen? They didn't breed. They didn't fight or do anything, just eat and groom and sleep. And when the population started declining naturally through the process, the beautiful ones were spared from any violence and death. But it was interesting because those beautiful ones had completely lost touch with the social behaviors of the other mice that were not part of that group, including having sex or caring about taking care of their young. This really is beginning to sound like a cross between reality shows of keeping up with the Kardashians when they visit the Big Brother house. And honestly, in my humble assessment, if anyone has come too close to taking over the world but shouldn't have, it was the Kardashians and just about anyone else from reality TV. <laughs> All right, but back to mice and men. There are a lot of similarities between mice and mankind. And maybe one of the best things that we, mankind, have done with that fact is utilize it in literature to demonstrate what is genuinely valuable. And no, I don't mean Mickey Mouse and Steamboat Willie. Hopefully, we've recognized that what is genuinely valuable is a better demonstration of real intelligence than how close we get to ruling the world. And between being men or mice or men dressed up like mice, there are three really valuable points that I found researching this that seemed appeared to be demonstrated in all three of these references. Steinbeck's novel of Mice and Men, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and coincidentally, interestingly enough, according to Calhoun's observations, his research. Especially of the few mice who best adapted to living, still as mice, but dressed up inside a man-like world. And here are those three things. Point one, sometimes you have to sacrifice everything that everyone else says is so valuable for the well-being of someone you care about and you want kept close to you, like loved ones or children. Point two, sometimes the people that the others in our idea of utopia or paradise, well, we tend to overlook the ones who have the most character. And we tend to not see them when in relationship to the people that we revere and we put up on social pedestals, you know, like the ones that we would put on a pedestal as the ones worthy to rule things. And finally, the third point of commonality, sometimes dreams are not realistically meant to be attained, meaning like dreams that our environment emphasize we should achieve, utopia paradise, but they are still meant to be strived for, even if that dream is solitude over societal expectations. You know one thing I never saw? I never saw proof that if you build a better mousetrap, the world will be the path to your door. I never saw that the way to rule the world had anything to do with outsmarting the mighty-minded mouse. Who knows? If you build a better mousetrap, it's possible the universe is just going to build a better mouse. And now more words of wisdom to wow your socks off from the Live Life Lean Guide itself. This is entry page 289. Man's mind 
once stretched by a new idea, never regains its original dimensions. That was said by Oliver Wendell Holmes. And the guide's point of view on this? So, is the human imagination plastic, and it stretches in response to a force that wills it so? Or is it more elastic, only stretching far enough that it can find its way back to what it safely knows? A guy I know once said, Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> what do you think about this? Using your Live Life Lean Guided System, what have you learned recently that's new? What have you earned that wasn't just easily handed to you? Where are you adding to the world that's beyond you and will live past you? I'll be grateful for all of that. Reflect on it, respect it. But before you go navigate somewhere next, please like, subscribe, share to show you care. Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying your copy of the Live Life Lean L-E-A-N guide. Enjoying it almost as much as I did creating it. And if you don't have a copy yet, go on over to Ampurage.com or Amazon and get started today experiencing the amazing power of knowing every day is literally yours to be grateful about. And you need never feel unfulfilled again. I'm Jim Hall. And until next time, good health, God bless. And now... Go get a little dirty learning something new. Earning what's not given to you. Adding to this crazy world that we share. And navigating your way to something new. And next.